This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Adam Jones and Sam Carroll. As you chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, as we preview the visit of Leicester tomorrow night at Goodison, the six o'clock kickoff uh, on July the 1st. Um, injury update Carlo Ancelotti has given his Zoom press conference uh, from Finch Farm this afternoon. So, some injury updates and uh, also. Also, before the uh, press conference, a, a statement from Yannick Balassi talking about his past 12 months and uh, hopes for the future. We'll discuss that. Obviously, Carlo was asked about Leighton Baines, of course, as well. Uh, we'll talk about Leicester as a threat and then how the game could potentially impact on European aspirations. Uh, and we'll also talk a little bit about what Goodison is like uh, behind closed doors. Obviously, we've experienced what it wants since the restart and going back again. And we'll... Uh, Give you a little bit of insight of how it works, how we get in, what we're expected to do, etc. etc. Um mixed team news, chaps. Um Mean is back, that's a positive. Uh Walcott back on Monday, positive. Uh Sidibi should return to train on Friday. So positive he could be in the frame for Spurs. No time frame on Delph though. Um disappointing that, isn't it? Uh yeah, especially considering I think you know, while Everton have played well since coming back from lockdown, I think central midfield is probably the area where you're looking towards the most improvement. I think especially, you know, in the first half against Norwich, I think it was an area that Everton were struggling in uh, quite a lot, I, I would say. So, you know, the more options that we can get in that area, the better. And, you know, we've already got Gabamin out injured. We've uh, offloaded Schneidlin now. So we kind of need Delft to be as fit as soon as possible. So, now, it, it is a continued setback that he just keeps being out injured. But as you say, like it is positive to see the likes of uh, Walcott and Sadibi, you know, coming closer and closer to uh, returning to full fitness. Mina coming back is quite an interesting one because I think it does offer us an option in defence, but I don't think I'd necessarily start him. I think Michael Keane has stepped into that position and he's more than earned his place in the side uh, over the last two games, not just, you know, with his goal against Norwich, but with the way he's played in general, I think his defensive positioning has been solid. I think his aerial ability has been good. He showed good strength. He showed good composure next to Mason Holgate. I think they've you know, managed to uh, strike up a decent partnership, so I wouldn't want to break that up, really. So it does offer us a, a good option from the bench, of course, and going into what's going to be a really congested run of fixtures over the next month or so, obviously having... Yeti Mina back is going to be a massive bonus to us over the next few games. But I think for this game in particular, I'd, I'd uh, personally keep Michael Keane in there. Yeah, obviously Keane. Interesting, interestingly on that, though, Keane said over the weekend, didn't he, that that the manager had, had employed rotational uh, a rotational policy at centre half, and you know, and, and the sort of the stats back that up that you know Mason Holgate had started all but one of the league games under Carlo and it had been really for Yerry Mina and, and Michael Keane to to fight it out for, for the other spot. Um, and it seems like Keane's almost braced at some point soon to, to, to be dropped, even though he probably doesn't deserve to be. In fact, he doesn't deserve to be, does he? Because of the, the two performances he's put in. No, I was literally just about to say, yeah, he's already kind of said that and it was already something that was kind of happening, wasn't it? Even before lockdown, there was a bit of rotation, I think. It was Keane and Holgate against Chelsea, wasn't it? When we lost 4-0, and that surprised a few people. Uh, I do think this one will be too too soon for 
for Yeri, won't it? And, and to be honest, the more I think about it and I look at games like Aston Villa at home and Bournemouth at home, I, I probably, it probably wouldn't surprise me entirely to see maybe Jared Branthwaite get a game at, at some point as well because our, our options are that thin, especially, you know, would, would there be any point risking Yeri towards the end of the season now? And, and, and Carlo might just want to keep it fresh and assess the options, especially if we get another couple of good results in the next two or three games. Um, or alternatively, if, if the results don't go our way, it's just totally out of the question, then he could choose to, to even mix it up a little bit more. But both have made a good point as well in saying that, um, you know, kind of dealt, dealt being, being out is, is a difficult one because I do think we're laughing in, in the middle of the park at the moment. And, it was been a really good opportunity for him to show kind of what he hasn't really had the opportunity to do so far this season. Yeah, no. I, I, without labouring the point on Delph, I think I think I think it's been the biggest frustration of all the injuries for me, really, because I, I, you know you looked at the break and you looked at the resumption in the final nine games or whatever it is, and you thought there's a real opportunity to keep himself fit and play nine times, not always start nine games, play nine games of football without interruption and finish this season with a bit of momentum and go into next season and, you know, in the second season of his contract, start to show us, you know, why Pep talks. You know, he will have missed by all accounts, but, you know, looking at the update of Carlo today, it doesn't sound like he's going to be fit for Spurs, does it? So he's going to have missed the first four of the of the nine remaining games. Yeah, it, it, it really is a frustration. And, you know, it was maybe something that people picked up on when he first joined as well, that he's had you know, a, fairly, a fairly, well, rocky in, injury record, should we say the least, uh, over the last few years as well. So it's a, it's a bit of a shame that it's continued uh, since he's joined Everton because, you know, he was brought in to be that sort of level head and experience in that in the uh, in the midfield area. And I think, you know, as I previously mentioned, I think especially in the like a game against Norwich going away from home uh, in some difficult circumstances, you know, coming off the lockdown as well. I think Delph would have been a perfect sort of player to put into the team for that game. You know, if he if he'd have been fully fit for that game, he's he does offer that level head and you know experience of going away from home, and I, I do think that was an area that we struggled in until Sigurdsson came on at half time. So yeah, it, it is frustrating, and you know we've got so many uh, games coming up in this congested uh, period. Now we've got what three three central midfield options? Is it is it Go, yeah. Gomez, Davis, and Sigurdsson are essentially yeah. our only options, and we've got to rotate. You know, as you say, Delph doesn't look like he's going to be fit for the Spurs game. Who knows when he when he might be fit again? And you know, we can only have our fingers crossed that he returns to the training soon because if, it's not going to be really viable for us to be rotating just three central midfielders in however however many games in such a short space of time. Because it's seven games in twenty six days, is it something like that? Yeah, and with the way Ancelotti has set us up after the lockdown as well, a lot of emphasis is put on those central midfield positions to be, you know, sort of covering for the centre-backs almost, being a shield in front of them, but also to progress us up the pitch as well. They're expending so much energy. And I think that was what maybe worked against, especially Tom Davis in that first half against Norwich. I think he looked a little bit leggy and he was 
feeling the effects of how much effort he put in against Liverpool, which you know is to be understandable, understandable yeah. again, yeah. Uh, you know, coming off the lockdown. So <laughs> the fact that we're putting so much pressure on our central midfielders and we've only got three of them, it's it it, it is maybe a little bit of a concern, and it you know puts a little bit more emphasis on we need to get Delph back as soon as we possibly can, really. And Sam, um, we'll move on from, from Delph after this, but it seems to be a, a recurring theme, sadly, of course. There's frustrations, no doubt he has frustrations because he's injured and can't play regularly. You know, the management and, and, and Marcel Brands will be frustrated at that, of course. We're frustrated. Um, but then what, what seems to exacerbate the issue over him in the eyes of some supporters is, is social media. Obviously, there was that well-documented exchange with the supporter after the FA Cup defeat against Liverpool. And then today, he's created a little bit more fury by liking and commenting on a friend of his uh, who's posted, uh, I think he works at Liverpool now, doesn't he, this friend, and has posted a celebratory picture after the title win. And he sort of said, you know, nice one, bro, or good stuff type of thing. And, and that's that's wrongly in my opinion, but everybody everybody reacts differently. That's, that's created a bit of... Uh, Anger, should we say, amongst some supporters? Oh, to be honest, I, I just I, I don't get that at all. I think it's a load of nonsense. I think, um, you know, what you've, you've got at the end of the day, put our rivalries as, as Evertonians aside sometimes. And, you know, Delph isn't from Liverpool, he's not, he's not an Evertonian. And, you know, you've got to understand that these, these footballers are, are, create relationships with people on and off the field. And I think if we're going to start getting to the point where we're fuming over, um, you know, commenting on a picture, then it, it just does to me. It just doesn't matter. They they've won the league, and you know it's not a nice feeling. And, and I don't like the fact that Liverpool have won the league. No one does. You know, you you hate that, but it just, it doesn't bother me. You know, it doesn't bother me if Delph is congratulating a friend. You know what I mean? It's not like he's gone out of his way to go and comment on one of Mohamed Salah's pictures or anything like that, is it? It's someone yeah. who's worked with at Man City. I think we were all a bit disappointed. Uh, with how he, he seemingly reacted when he was, you know, messaging fans back. And I, I didn't really agree with that. I think, you know, as much as you don't like getting abuse on social media, I think as a football, you've, you've got to probably bite your tongue in that situation. And I think he probably understood that after. But this one today, I think it almost feels like he beat someone with when he's down. I think, you know, there's a lot of praise around the sign of the Delft, wasn't there? A lot of people kind of compared it because of the position he plays in and he's a left footer and he was coming from Man City a little bit older, you know, the Gareth Barry sign. And, and I think because of how good Gareth Barry was and, and how Delft struggles with injuries, it hasn't quite worked out like that. But it doesn't mean we've just got to kind of, you, you can't just jump on everything now that goes wrong for him. You know, I'm, I'm gutted that he's not going to play the last few games of the season because I, I, I do, or the next few games, sorry. Hopefully he does come back before the end of the season. But next season's probably where he's going to, and his uh, and his reputation with Everton fans now, isn't it? But you know, I thought I thought that the, the reaction today to that's a bit overstated because you know it, it just is what it is, isn't it? Someone he's worked with at Man City and and really now for Fabian, I, I just want to get back to judging him with with what he does on the pitch. You know, if he does come back next season and and plays a full season of football and doesn't hit the levels, then you know we can all turn around and go, look, it didn't work out for football in terms, but. If it is injuries that kind of scuppers his, his chances of effort, then it will be disappointing because I do still think he he was a good signing. But you know, we are now we we've spoke on this podcast, haven't we, too many times about his injuries, and we are now reaching that point where 
if five or six games into next season are in the same point position where he's missing games regularly because of little niggling injuries, then we probably have to say, you know, it hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, yeah, hugely frustrating. And, and, you know, we're frustrated that we have to talk only about injuries and that, and that sort of thing because we would much rather be talking about uh, a string of uh, commanding midfield performances. Sadly, we've not been able to uh, just witness that so far, but fingers crossed we will uh, in the coming months and into next season and uh, and so forth. Um, just just briefly on then the Leicester game, um, we've had a week ad now to rest. You know, after the two games in four days, we've got a week. Um, you confident? I'm confident. I, I, you know, wrote, wrote him a piece after the Norwich win that maybe, you know, the way football's come back, the pace of the game, you know, tired legs, not people, other teams aren't sharp like us, we aren't fully sharp. Maybe Carlo just, you know, experience using his, his nows can set this team up, you know, defensively organised, solid and, you know, nicking, nicking games from set pieces, you know, you know I think... You know, there's there's definitely an argument to say that they, they were in a good position. How, how do you feel ahead of the game? Yeah, I, I I I feel confident as well. I think the way Ancelotti has set us up is really clever in the sense that I think we are expending quite a lot of energy uh, in the way that we set up. You know, especially defensively, we are so organised, and you know that's down to how the players have reacted after lockdown. I think they deserve a lot of credit for how well they performed. You know, just getting back out onto the pitch and. You know, especially with the the defenders with like James Coleman, Luca Dean. Looks like their fitness levels haven't dropped at all uh, coming back from lockdown. So I think that deserves a lot of credit. But while we're using a lot of energy, we're using it in all of the right areas, and we're keeping keeping things just tight, organised. We're hitting teams on dangerous counter attacks, and I think maybe if we just had a little bit more composure in the final third on a couple of occasions, maybe if we just started taking our chances again, then. We're gonna we're gonna start beating teams uh, by bigger scorelines than one nil. But you know, I think Carlo's gonna take a one nil, uh, you know, every every week to be honest. Uh, and then I think Carlo himself made this point in his press conference today. Leicester have had uh, a game at the weekend against Chelsea yeah. in the FA Cup. They've had a lot less time to prepare for this game. And in normal circumstances, you might think of that as a little bit of a boost to you. But I think in this circumstance, you can consider it maybe even a bit of a bigger boost because we are still so soon after coming back after off lockdown. Uh, Leicester, having played an extra game in this period, surely are going to be feeling some sense of tiredness in their legs, having come back from three months off. At least we've had a week off to recover. You know, we've, we've not got as many back uh, from injury as we might have liked, but all of our players who did play in that Norwich game should be fit and raring to go and it, it's I'm, I think Michael Ball mentioned it in his column, column yesterday as well if Everton can come out in the first 15 or 20 minutes really hit Leicester and with this, the amount of intensity uh, that you know Everton should have after a week off then you know it, it scored an early goal and it, it could really work in Everton's favour so yeah I'd say I'd say I'm really confident going into this one to be honest Sam, it's been interesting to see how um, teams who had been doing really well before the suspension, there seems to be sort of mixed bag of results and form so far. Sheffield United haven't really come out of the of the restart particularly well so far. And Leicester, two league games, two draws and an FA Cup defeat. Um, it feels like, you know, feels like it, it, we're, all, we're always confident at Goodison, but it does feel like, you know, 
a particularly good opportunity and perhaps an even better time to be playing them than it would have been had uh, had there been no suspension and they had, had kept up that momentum that they'd built. Yeah, definitely. I think um, they are going to still be be a, a tough challenge, but yeah, I'd, I'd be a lot less confident if, if, if this game had played a few months ago when you know they were seemingly flying and it's hard at the moment, I think, to, to pick the results, isn't it? And it, it's showing that across the world. I think it was Borussia Dortmund the other day, wasn't it? Adam's second team who got beat 4-0 at home by, by Thank you. time. It's, it's, it's difficult <laughs> at the moment to pick to pick the results at all. So Everton are, are going to fancy the chances. I don't think we've totally got going yet, have we? I think the game against Norwich was a, a tough watch. But what I would say is that I think... I def I don't know what you two, but I definitely still have the feeling, you know, we we'll nick this, we'll we'll win this. I think I still would have been surprised if Norwich would have beat us in that game, you know, even though we were probably only playing there in what? Second, third gear, playing a 50-60% of what I think most of those lads on that pitch can do. And already, you know, it looks like the the break has done the world of good for Michael Keane. You know, he looks more like the player that we were seeing in the second half of the seat of Marco Silva's first season, where people kind of like Where's this lad been all along? Do you know what I mean? Looks a lot more confident, which has been good to see. Luca Dean, I think, un- under the radar, has been been pretty impressive in the in the two games. Seamus Coleman as well, all, all, almost kind of rolling back the years. So certainly defensively, you know, we're good, but this game's going to be a test, isn't it? Especially when you think, you know, of the Madisons and, and Jamie Vardy and, and the players they've got. And, you know, I really want to see a midfield performance because, you know, I think Adam... Uh, and yourself both spoke about it after after Norwich, you know, 45 minutes in, and a lot of people were kind of questioning Alex Iwobi, and the second 45 minutes, you were like, bloody hell, no wonder, you know, this is why we this is why we bought him. Um, so I, I hope to see him carry on. You know, I'd like to maybe see Anthony Gordon get another chance. I don't think Bernard uh, done anything to kind of strengthen his, his chance in the last game, but, you know, we, we just don't have any midfielders at the moment, do we? And it's going to be one of Davis... Sigurdsson and, and Andre Gomez in midfield, and whoever that is, I really want to see them put in a performance because I don't think any of them, sorry, I don't think Davies or, or uh, Gomez have got going yet. And obviously to create a few chances for, for Charles and Calvert-Lewin because they haven't they haven't had too many yet in, in these two games. So I'd like to see us play a bit, I know it sounds strange against Leicester, but I would like to see us maybe play on the front foot a bit more and, and have a go and, and see what we can do. But I, I do think that there's a confidence about Everton at the moment. Two games, two clean sheets. Why? Why can't we beat Leicester? Why can't we then be saying, "Hang on, you know, it's it seems before the game, but we should to sneak into Europe." And, and certainly, if we beat Leicester, then I'd say it was it was well back on that 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 kind of ambition. So that was it was what we were going to come on to next. How many points do you think we need to get from the next two games uh, specifically to to be to be sat here heading into? Uh, is what is it? Be Southampton next Thursday, feeling like we're, we're we're still in the race for Europe. It's so tough, isn't it? Because it's so congested in that part of the table. There's probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight teams maybe mm. who've got the same sort of ambitions of ever as Everton to try and uh, get themselves into Europe. Obviously, Spurs and Leicester are going to have their own sort of ambitions of the Champions League, but it's still it's still European football at the end of the day. They're going to be. They're going to be trying to fire on all cylinders for the remaining matches of the season. I think for Everton, these are the type of games where 
Everton really need to step up and you know stamp their authority for the rest of this season. This, these are the ones where you've got to go. Okay, we've got the three points over over a struggle in Norwich. We got you know battled to a hard four point against Liverpool. Maybe could have got even even more out of that game. But these are two teams who are, have got you know similar ambitions to Everton in terms of you know they want to qualify for Europe. They're in not too dissimilar. Uh, positions in the table, especially Spurs. You know, I think we're only four points away from Spurs, something like that in the table. So we're really not that far off Spurs. So, you know, can Everton have ambitions to maybe catch Spurs? If, if they if they manage to put together a decent enough run of form, I'd say maybe yeah. Uh, so looking at these next two games, I think you've got to be targeting at least at least four points. Uh, if yeah. not, if not going for all six, well, obviously, obviously, I think Ancelotti and the players will be certainly going for all six. But I think if you if you come out of these two games with four points, I think you'll settle for that. And I think you know Everton will be probably will be much better placed in the table. Probably be closer to those top. Well, it could be could be eighth place that secures the Europa League at the end of this season. Uh, when you consider Man City's. Uh, Ban and you know whoever might win yeah. the FA Cup and etc. So you know all Everton really need to do is get to eighth place to qualify for Europe. So I think you know four points uh, into well two of the toughest games that they've got left for the remainder of the season. I think that would stand them in fantastic stead for the rest of the season. To be honest, I think it's, it's back now to where we were remembering those podcasts we were doing when we were going into that run of games against like United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and that that. I'm looking yeah. at the next four games, you know, Leicester, Tottenham, Southampton and Wolves. And, you know, I think if we are going to sneak into Europe or at least have something to play for in those last couple of games, you're probably looking at needing between seven and ten points in the next four games, aren't you? Which, you know, is is still a big ask when you consider the teams that we're yeah. playing. But, you know, with, with that home advantage taken away, you know, it's not like you're going to a packed uh, Tottenham Stadium. It's not like you're going to... A packed Molyneux. Um, you know, so so I think there's a cheap, but that, that is the absolute that's the minimum, you know. I think you could even get twelve points from these next four games and, and still not, you know, qualify for Europe just with the way it's going at the moment. But you know, we have seen a bit of a drop off from your Sheffield United and, and teams like that. So I think we're in a really, really kind of nice position where, you know, we don't really have anything to lose. I'd, I'd be surprised if we got sucked into anything at this point. And you know, it's we can just go out and play on the front foot and see if, see what we can do. But I think the Leicester game would be a really good platform, wouldn't it? You know, if we beat Leicester and you're saying, right, we've played three games back now, we're unbeaten, you know, and imagine if we got another clean sheet as well, then you're certainly not going to be scared of, of this Tottenham team behind closed doors. And then, you know, who, who knows what happens from there. So I think a lot weirdly does hinge on this Leicester game. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We spoke about player players in the right wing uh, against Norwich. Alex Iwobi, player obviously who uh, hasn't played in the right wing for Everton for two seasons, and obviously even though he's low and at Sporting Lisbon, he's now officially up. Uh, he's not eligible to play, even if uh, if anybody wanted him to. Adam Yannick Balassi has uh, issued quite a lengthy statement online um, this afternoon, talking about the past twelve months, what's gone on, um, and looking ahead to the future. Um, just just give uh, the listeners who may not have seen it. Uh, Bit of a summary of what he said and, and, and your thoughts on what it means. Well, he uh, he first talked about his time at Sporting and the difficulties that he faced, not just personally, but 
as a team that Sporting faced uh, throughout this season. I think he said they had four managers in the space of the seven months that he was out in Portugal, which, you know, as he quite rightly says, is going to be difficult for any team to try and deal with. He said the you know the management team were almost trying to rebuild the, the team midway through the season. They sold uh, Bruno Fernandes in uh, in January, of course, didn't they, to Manchester United. And he, he said from the inside of the sporting squad, that felt like you know they kind of scrapped this season and they were already preparing for next season, which he's also listed as difficult for him. Uh, and then on a personal level, he said, you know, he started well, uh, one man of the match in his first game, but then he was used in numerous different roles. He said every other game I was given a different role. So he said he wasn't given the chance to really show the player that he feels that he can be. Uh, and, you know, coming, he's now, was it, nearly nearly two years back from his, uh, his long-term, in, well, over over two years, is it now? Yeah, over two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back from his uh, long-term injury. I think probably he felt he'd regained full fitness at Aston Villa and then he kind of showed that at Anderlecht in his loan spell last season. And, you know, for him, he was looking to try and kick on maybe at Sporting Lisbon uh, this year and he just, he didn't really get that chance. And I think his his disappointment at that kind of shines through. Uh, he said, you know, when the coronavirus pandemic took over, he was sent back to England to try and... Uh, maintain his fitness as much as possible but then it was deemed uh, unsafe for him to go back for the remaining eight or nine games of the campaign so he's remained here until his uh, contract with them well his loan spell with them has officially ended didn't uh, so they didn't want to speak about anything like this until until that was up and then he spoke about his uh, absence from Everton training as well saying that essentially with the new protocols Everton have only allowed a certain amount of personnel so like club staff and uh, player yeah. staff of course at Finch Farm over the last few weeks and you know with Palassi not registered to play for the remainder of this season it just it just transpires that Palassi's not one of them so he's left to train at home which he said is a is frustrating for him but he's reiterated his desire to maintain his fitness and try and prove himself to the uh, to the new management staff uh, whenever he gets the opportunity which yeah you, I think you've got to You've got to commend them for that for that uh, ideal, to be honest. And I'd, I'd I'd be disappointed, to be honest, if he didn't have that sort of ambition to try and prove himself uh, to to the new manager. Because why not? It is a new manager. He hasn't he hasn't had the chance to look at him yet. There are, as we've said, uh, problems in Everton's right midfield at the minute. You know, we we are going to be looking for a right midfielder in the summer. So you know, if Balassi thinks that he can prove himself in that position, then by all means, he should he should try. But I think on a, I think for me personally, I think I, I just don't think it's it's going to be the case. I think he's you know coming into the last year of his contract now. He's uh, the wrong side of thirty uh, for Everton, and he, he just seems to me like the perfect sort of player that Everton will be looking to try and move on, a la Schneiderlin, as we've already seen uh, yeah. earlier this month. So. It, I think it's a really heartfelt statement for Balassi and it, it is really nice to see him talking so honestly and candidly about uh, the last the last year because I don't think we've seen all that much from him in the media over over his time at Port, in Portugal. So it has been nice to try and uh, understand what's been going on with him. But uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens next for him in the future. For me, I just can't see how that's going to be at Everton, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Sam. You know, I think anybody who deals with Yannick um, on a personal level 
always says the same thing. Great lad, you know, you know, great company, um, etc. But we can't obviously, you know, get away from the fact that the injury really changed the course of his Everton career. Um, I think he, you know, I think he'd been inconsistent, but I think he'd shown real promise in, in patches before the injury struck in December 2017, wasn't it? Um, and it just doesn't seem like he's he's really recaptured or got close to that. He wants to come back. He wants to fight for his future in the final 12 months of his contract. And that's hugely commendable and, you know, the right thing to say. But are you like Adam? Do you just think that he, he won't get his wish? It's a tough one for me with Blasi because before we signed him, he was he was like my favourite kind of non-Everton player in the Premier League and probably a couple of his performances against Everton and Liverpool, I think, had uh, contributed to that. I think he, I always remember him in that in that 3-3 when, when Palace stopped at them winning the, the league that time, that, that night. And, and also I think he, he ripped us apart at Goodison and Selhurst Park a couple of times as well. And I was really excited by his sign. And I think sometimes you can state kind of impact that he, he was at. You know, he slowed down maybe in the last month towards that that horrible injury he got. But, you know, the partnership that him and Lukaku had, and I remember the games against like Middlesbrough and uh, Sunderland away when we won 3-0 as well. You know, the, the two of them were just were brilliant together. And I think, I think they had their own little language at one point, didn't they? That they, they were talking in and stuff like that. They, so it, it'll, it'll always be something for me, you know, a bit of a disappointment that, that we never got to see, you know, the... The, the real Balassi maybe and what he could have done if he was you know at least just got through that season you know there has been times where Everton have really missed like a, a kind of a powerful winger how he could be on his day and like you know we all know his limitations we know he's inconsistent and, and sometimes I think he can dwell on it a little bit too much and, and tries to be too almost too clever and a bit too fancy and you know he does he is a real street footballer isn't he who's, who's been raised through the through the kind of non-league system and, and all that in England. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, if, if this is what he's saying, then it is it is good on him. And, and, you know, part of me would be like, you know what, give him a chance and, and let Carlo Ancelotti decide because at the end of the day, I, I, I'd be happy to leave all decisions to him. But my head then also tells me it's going to be the same decision, isn't it? It's going to be, you know... Good on you, good on you from coming back from the injury and, and whatnot. And, you know, we always have spoken about Everton really fondly, but at the end of the day, there's better options out there. And, and I think if, if the club have got a sensible off, take it in this current landscape. Is anyone going to take him off our hands on a permanent transfer this summer? No, probably not. So it's a very, very kind of strange scenario he finds himself in. And I don't even know how it's going to work. With the loan landscape of, of, of people shouldering the the decent wage that he's on at Everton, so I I think it's going to be a really interesting one to, to keep our eye on. I'd, I mean, even if even if um, Everton and Carlo were, were inclined to to welcome him back in for pre-season, whenever that is, would he even have enough time to impress? Because the season finishes at the end of July. Um, and the, the word on the street at the moment is that the new season would have to begin September the 12th. So it's, what, six weeks max? So never. Yeah. So obviously the players would, would obviously have a little break, you would imagine, and then come back for pre-season. I mean, it doesn't feel like there's even even ample time for him to uh, to impress. Yeah. <laughs> when you put it like that, it, 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 uh, it does seem like all circumstances have kind of worked against him. 
which it, as Sam says, it, it it is a shame, and you know you you do wonder what would have happened maybe if he hadn't picked up that serious injury. I think Sam rightly uh, points out the the partnership that Balassi had with Lukaku in particular, and you know that was exciting on a good number of occasions. And since then, it you know hasn't it hasn't reached those heights for one reason or another. And uh, it it is it is just a shame to say that really. And yeah, if you, you do. You do wonder how that's going to affect any of Everton's sort of loanies in pre-season if they've got a, if they want if they want a chance to impress how how likely is that going to be because I think pre-season yeah. really for ne- for the start of next season it's got to be it, it's surely going to be used primarily to try and get the first team players as fit as possible <laughs> for the start of the Premier League season. It, there's not I don't think there's going to be many. many for, um, now, how many friendlies realistically are, are, the, are the clubs going to be able to squeeze in? Exactly, maybe two, three ish, something like that. So, I just don't see how there's going to be much opportunity at all for you know even even some of the academy youngsters who might get a chance uh, over the Premier League season. I, I'm not sure how many opportunities there'd even be for them in pre-season, let alone for a low need that were perhaps maybe trying to put in the shop window essentially or maybe give him a chance to impress Ancelotti. I think a lot of the work would have to come down to the training pitch with Balassi and you know I've, I've got no doubt in my mind that he'd put 100% on that training pitch and he'd give everything to be able to show Ancelotti what he can do but there's a there's a limit to what you can show on a training pitch. You do kind of have to get out there into yeah. like a competitive match day experience to be able to show what you can actually offer to the team. And I think in terms of Balassi in particular, that's that's even more so because he's the kind of player who needs to be that creative force on the right flank. He needs to provide uh, chances for players to score. Maybe he needs to score a couple of goals himself from that wide area. And how I, I just don't see how he's maybe going to be able to show that on the fringe, Finch Farm pitch. So, yeah, it, it really is. It must be frustrating for... Balassi to try and sit down and consider that but I, I think his statement today he's he seems to be keeping as much a positive mental attitude as he can in the, uh, in these circumstances and I think that's all you can expect from him uh, at this stage so you know, I think all Everton fans will be wishing him the best of luck for uh, the next few weeks and months and you know, as Sam says it'll be really interesting to see what does happen with him in the future And Sam um... Is John Joe Kenny in the same boat or is his case going to be slightly different? Yeah, I'd probably lean towards his case being totally different. I think um, his his Instagram statement of yesterday was obviously quite interesting, wasn't it? That it did finish with, you know, hopefully we'll see each other again in the future. But, you know, that can obviously be taken in, in a variety of ways. Um, but I think John Joe Kenny now... The more the games go on, the more that we see the situation within, the more that we're talking about it. You know, that if, you know, I think Jürgen Klopp said it last night that Liverpool, you know, aren't expecting a big summer. You know, so if the champions of England posting kind of record profits aren't expecting a busy one in the transfer market, then I certainly don't think Everton will be. So for me, uh, the more realistic thing it's looking like is that whether this was always going to be the plan. All along, I think John Joe Kenny might get a chance to prove himself next season. And you know, he's spoken a lot, you know, about not being the type of player who, who wants to sit on the bench and, and not play football. And 
you know, when Seamus Coleman is 32, 33, um, you know, he's going to get that opportunity. He's going to, he's going to play games next season. I just, at this point in time, don't see us um, doing anything more with, with Stevie after his loan finishes at the end of the season. I don't think it's the right environment to be taking a gamble uh, on him because I don't think he's, he's shown enough that, you know, he would be a, a guaranteed success. So, you know, yeah, I think I think Kenny's going to come back and, and have a really, really, really big opportunity, and maybe an opportunity that halfway through this season I didn't see him getting to prove himself to Carlo Ancelotti and, and Marcel Brands. I think he's got a really good chance. Um, you know, from what we've seen at, at Schalke, and, and I think he he said it himself. You know, there's been ups and downs for the team, and and I think in that respect, there's probably been ups and downs for him as well. But we're going to get a, a lad back who's played a full season in the Bundesliga for you know, a top team and, you know, a, a decent manager in, in David Wagner. So, uh, to be honest now, I'm, I'm more positive about Kenny than I've ever been, to be honest. I, I think um, I think sometimes in football, things can just work out in strange ways. And, and the timing of this has obviously been, uh, you know, in a way it's worked out well for Kenny. And, and now I think, you know, come back and if, if over the course of next season, he doesn't show that he's, he's got what it takes to be Everton's right back then, then we can assess him and then we can move on. But I'd like to see him now get his chance so we can, you know, draw a line under it next season and go, bloody hell, this lad's brilliant. You know, what of the was alone or, you know, look, he's still a young lad. He's still probably going to be, you know, he'll, he'll have been in England youth internationally. He's played at Schalke and we could probably get a good, a good 10, between 10 and 20 million for him. So it, it's still a win-win with Kenny no matter what happens. But I think he'll, he'll come back and, and be a, a squad player if not something more for Everton next season. Uh, do, you, do you agree with that? Do you see that happening for Kenny, or or do you, mm. are you con- would you have concerns that Carlo hasn't seen him in the flesh um, and won't get much of an opportunity to see him in anything sort of any sort of serious friendly games uh, because of what we talked about with preseason? Do you think that's really working against him? Uh, I think in a way it's kind of worked against them, but I think. Uh, it, his situation is a little bit different to Balassi's for me, mainly just because he's actually been playing for Schalke uh, over the last few months. So, yeah, especially when the Bundesliga was the only league back uh, from lockdown, I've got no doubt in my mind that Ancelotti will have been watching him closely at that point. He was obviously going to be watching him closely from before then as well, because I think there's still important decisions to be made over Everton's right back position, as we know. Seamus Coleman's been doing very well recently, but we've still got a decision to make over Gibral Sadibi. Whether we sign him permanently or not, we've got obviously Kenny who's going to be coming back. Uh, so Ancelotti will have been having these discussions surely with Marcel Brands and he'll be trying to identify positions that he wants to strengthen. And right back will surely be one of those areas where they'll have had conversations and they'll have thought, right, what, what are our options? Uh, do we keep... Do we keep with what we've got or do we try and t- twist, get somebody else in, maybe sign to DB permanently or or get a, a, another separate right back in? So I think I think in some ways, but Ancelotti will have been watching Kenny fairly closely. And I think it's different to Balassi, whereas Balassi was, as I said, the wrong side of 30 and he's perhaps not got any long-term prospects for the future at Everton. I think John Joe Kenny probably does. He's you know still, as Sam says, a really young player. I think... His experience in the Bundesliga has shown us that he can step up to a really high level and he can perform week in, week out in, you know, well, 
I know Schalke didn't really perform well after lockdown, but before lockdown, they were, you know, a fairly, fairly solid team. Kenny had made himself a fan favourite because of his performances and the way David Wagner had set up his team to, you know, prioritise the the fullbacks in that setup. So Kenny has shown that he can perform on these sort of high levels. So I'm not sure he'll maybe need as much opportunity to try and prove himself in the flesh to Ancelotti. I think Ancelotti will already have a fairly good idea of what Kenny can offer him. So, you know, I think Kenny can come back and he can show it on the training pitch. And, you know, maybe I think I think he's got much more he's got much more chance of starting any sort of preseason match than Yannick Bellassi would have, let's say. So I don't I don't think it'd take Kenny all that long to maybe prove to Ancelotti what he's what he's capable of because he's been showing Ancelotti what he's been capable of for the last few weeks and months, well, for this entire season really he's been showing what he's capable of. So I'd have a lot more confidence in Kenny being able to come back and just show show what he can do. Mm. Uh, okay, so as we say tomorrow night, um Everson entertain Leicester at Goodison. Uh, Adam and I will be there. Um it's a strange old situation at Goodison, as you can imagine. No fans is uh, a very odd scenario. It certainly was for the derby. It felt more akin to uh, a training match or very low-key friendly and, uh, you know, having to get your, your temperature checked before you walk into the ground and then weaving your way through the uh, the concourses, or the deserted concourses. It's uh, it's a million miles away from, uh, from how we all uh, remembered it before and what it should look like but uh, as it be your first uh, first taste of, of Goodison behind closed doors what are you what do you think it's going to feel like I, I'm fairly excited for it I, th- I think you know just the fact that I haven't I haven't been back to Goodison since that Manchester United game so start of March so it's going to be nearly nearly four months since I've been to Goodison which is a hell of a long time especially in the job that we're in to not be to not be at Goodison Park, so I'm really excited to get back there. In terms of how it's going to feel, it's 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 quite an interesting one for me because, you know, as as we've done previously over the past few years, you know, we've done under 23s matches, FA Youth Cup matches at Goodison Park, and obviously it does have the different sort of feel when it be the first team rather than you know the academy sides. But you know, it's still that feeling of being inside Goodison when there's either only a small crowd or it is, you know, just, you know, media staff there and then the staff on the side of the pitch. So I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to be all that weird for me to to be, well, it, it's going to be weird to not be sat in the press box and instead be sat in the stands with like a temporary desk set up in front of me. But uh, in terms of how like the match is going to feel, I'm not expecting it to be all that different maybe from like an under-23s match or an FA Youth Cup match in terms of, like an atmosphere sort of thing. So, but yeah, I'm 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 excited to get back and yeah, sample sample what it's like firsthand. Okay, uh, prediction, Sam, for the game. Never like to be too positive, really, do I? So I'm, I'm probably thinking two <laughs> 0 <laughs> two 0 the Blues. Dominic Dominic Carver Lewin yeah. first goal. Lovely, take that, Adam. Prediction. He's he's took the words right out of my mouth. Two nil, but I would go Richarlison first goal. Right. Okay, so what I think thinking? we'll make it one nil. 
I, I just don't, you know, there's been, with the odd, odd exceptions of the team at the top end of the table, there's, there haven't been too many high scoring affairs as of so far. So I think that will continue and uh, we will take it 1 0. Um, and I don't really care who scores. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chaps, uh, thank you very much for your company. Excellent as always. Uh, and thank you for listening. Um, this, we'll be back again Friday and we will obviously be talking about hopefully a Leicester victory and looking ahead to a trip to Spurs on Monday. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.